It's time for a follow-up on our Where Did Noah's Ark Land video. If you haven't seen that yet, you may want to watch that first. If not, that's okay. You are definitely going to watch it by the end of this video. You're going to want to. Uh, oops. Did Ron Wyatt find the Nephilim Ark? What? Could this be? Well, let's test the Nephilim legends and see what they say because they document where their ship landed. Did you know that? It's there. And it ain't Noah. He is no Nephilim. Now, they try to confuse that, and they can't. We will not allow them, and you should not either. Then we'll assess what the Bible says about Noah's Ark. You will find they do not match. And this narrative is very entrenched in the church generally. And we absolutely challenge it and expose it for what it is. And we do so successfully. So, because this is not Bible. They are literally buying into a doctrine of demons on this. Nephilim. They are demons. And we'll show you right out of their own writings. And not the Bible. But the opposite of it. And yet it permeates scholarship once again, and it is sad that we have to expose this. I wish we didn't have to, but we will every time we find something like this. By the end of this video, you are either going to agree or perhaps wish to throw things at your screen. Either response is fine, but don't throw things at your screen. Not, not a good idea. However, just test what we found. And after watching this, review where did Noah's Ark land for the full research and test it for yourself. You will not find the biblical view in scholarship today on this. It's just not there. They're not following the Bible. They're ignoring it. It's one of willing ignorance, as Peter warned, because they are ignoring. That's where the word ignorance comes from. It's not saying something bad necessarily. They're ignoring what the Bible says. That's not scholarship, though it is what modern scholarship has come to be on too many things, unfortunately. We know we'll get debates, but make sure you review this and the other video before attempting, because there is really nothing left to debate at this point. And if we catch someone trying that, we're just going to mute you. We're not going to play games here. We're done with useless debate. Come with a good point. Make a good point. Now, that doesn't mean we won't refute it, because we very well may, but what we have found is very solid. First, let's go to the book of Inky, the lost book of Inky, from Zacharias Stitchens Publishing in recent years. So this is accepted, you know, in much of scholarship as the book of Inky. Okay? Now, yes, this is not scripture. It is absolutely a cult, 100%. All right, this is not the Bible, but that's going to be the point here because it points to a mountain where? Hmm. This is where you will find Ron Wyatt's doctrine of Noah's Ark landing in Turkey. And it's the only way you will find such because you will not find that in the Bible. And we'll, we know, some will respond with archaeology evidence was found. Right. See, we're not disputing that. The question is, 
archaeology of what? Of Noah's Ark? Not even remotely. Or of the Ark of the Nephilim? Ooh, big difference there. Now, let's go to the sources. We have two occult sources pretty much agree with each other. And then we'll go back to the Bible and we'll compare as well in the end. This is the ebook. Uh, in our case, I believe we downloaded this from Amazon, but one of uh, a similar source like that, if it wasn't. Uh, it, basically, page 221 in the ebook in print is probably a different page. So if you're trying to follow along, it may not match. And then, of course, we'll be accused of using the wrong you. What book are you reading? Well, we're showing you on screen. This is the actual ebook you're looking at. So there you go. Okay, so The Lost Book of Inky by Zachariah Stitchin. The boat that you must build, its design and measurements on a tablet are shown. Now, this is basically Inky, okay, the fallen angel, the watcher, talking to, you're going to see who this guy is. It's going to tell you his name, and it's going to tell you who he is. It's his son. And who's the son of a fallen angel? That's called Nephilim. Just saying. Okay. By the reed hut's wall the tablet I shall leave. Make sure that the boat shall be roofed throughout. The sun from the inside must not be seen. The tackle must be very strong, the pitch strong and tight to, toward off the water, toward off the water. Let the boat be one that can turn and tumble, the watery avalanche to survive. In seven days, build the boat into it your family and kinfolk gather. Imagine, he was able to build a ship in seven years. It took Noah's uh, many, many years, Noah and his sons. So uh, this is a Nephilim. That's what it is. And he's a giant. He's capable of doing things that fast. Yes. Then on the appointed day, a signal to you shall be given. A boat guide who knows the waters by me appointed to you that day will come. Now, did Noah have a boat guide? No. See, this is not the story of Noah. This is a Nephilim. Noah didn't build the ark in seven days. This is not the story of Noah. This is a Nephilim. How many times do I have to say that? You get it. A boat guide who knows the waters by me appointed to you that day will come. On that day, the boat you must enter, its hatch tightly close you must. Now, we know that Noah also closed the hatch, but that's no surprise that they would copy that. An overwhelming deluge, a flood, coming from the south, lands and life shall devastate. Now, if you look at our Rivers from Eden theory and you notice that these guys are in Sumer, basically between the Tigris and the Euphrates, not... Where Noah lived, sorry, um, the flood would have come from the south from there because it comes from the rivers from Eden, from the fountains of the great deep that are within. So actually, this is consistent with that. Your boat from its moorings, it shall lift. The boat, it shall turn and tumble. Fear not, to a safe haven, the boat guide will navigate you. Again, Noah didn't have one. By you shall the seed of civilized mankind survive. No, you know, they do that today. In colonialism, for the past several centuries, they've been telling us, oh, well, we're civilized mankind. 
Yeah. Where did that term come from? The Nephilim. That's where that comes from. Let's call it what it is. Colonialism is evil. It always has been, and it is a Nephilim concept. And there you have it, right there, their thinking that we find in colonialism. Civilized mankind. What a ridiculous term. Man is man. If you do not value every man is equal, then you are an idiot. There's no other way to term that. And you are thinking like a Nephilim. Colonialism was wrong, and it was Nephilim thinking. Moving on. The purpose of the boat, a secret of the Anunnaki, with you must remain. So the religion of the Nephilim, of the Anunnaki, the sons of Anak, from the Bible, it's right there, those are Nephilim, must remain. So it must cross over the flood. We can't let it be rooted out. That's what he's saying. Next page, and yes, we're pulling out uh, sections here. We have to because this is a video that can't go on for hours and hours. So, the image of a boat upon it was drawn, notches its measurements, gave, wisest of civilized men, there it is again, was Zirasudra. What he had heard, he understood. In a boat, that must quickly be built, I will away from here depart. So all this is consistent. This is the story of the flood. As woodworkers, the planks together hammered, Zirasudra, in a cauldron, the bituman melted. Now, Noah did use bituman as well. With bituman, the boat he waterproofed inside and out. Again, a common practice in those days. As in the drawing upon the tablet, the boat on the fifth day was completed. So he actually completed it in five days. That's a Nephilim. That's not Noah. The ship is way too large for Noah and his sons to build that quickly, and it took them many years. Four-legged animals into the boat were also driven. Birds from the field by themselves flew in. Into the boat, Zerasudra, his spouse and sons, made in bark. Their wives and children also came. Now, that's no surprise, and that doesn't equate them as Noah all of a sudden, because there's too many things that make it clear that he's not Noah, including he's a Nephilim. Hello. From the next page, on the sixth day, Ninagal, Lord of the great waters, to the boat came. A son of Inki he was. To be the boat's navigator, he was selected. So now we know who the guide is. Okay, Lord of the Great Waters, a Nephilim. All right, and then in Shurabak, 18 leagues away, the bright eruptions by Ninigal were seen. So he saw eruptions. Well, what's that? Well, the Bible says the fountains of the great deep exploded. That's what he saw, and it should be consistent. And the fact that the two would have a f some details that are the same just means they saw the same event. It doesn't mean they're the same story, and the Bible then somehow stole this. The Bible was written on the heavenly tablets long before these Nephilim ever lived, before they ever came down from heaven, for that matter. So to say that they have to be the origin of the Bible is illiterate. Button up, button up the hatch, Ninigal to Zirasudra shouted. Together, 
the trap door that the hatch concealed, they pulled down. Again, that is the same as Noah, but again, no surprise because any ark would be the same from that matter. Watertight, enclosed completely was the boat. It would have to be, or water would get in and it would sink. Inside, not a ray of light penetrated. Well, that's what they were told to do, and Noah's would have been the same in that respect. But that doesn't make them the same ark. They cannot be. On that day, on that unforgettable day, the deluge, the flood, with a roar, began. In the white land at the earth's bottom, Hmm, the Earth's bottom. You mean the bottom of what we call the ocean floor today because the ocean did not exist prior to the flood yet, that one. The Earth's foundations were shaking. Wow. This fits the Bible account from that standpoint. Again, no surprise, they observed the same flood. All at once, a tidal wave arose. Oh, wait, that is exactly what we say in our theory. The giant tidal waves, mega tsunamis, came out of the fountains of the great deep, out of, up from the rivers from Eden, and slammed into the continental shelves. And that's why they have the very same shape as the rivers from Eden. The very skies was the wall of waters reaching. Got that? Mega tsunamis to the skies. Wow. This catastrophe was far greater than anyone can imagine. And oh, by the way, that proves that this was a worldwide flood because a mega tsunami to the sky means the earth is going to be flooded. Hello. A storm, its ferocity, never before seen. Get that. At the Earth's bottom, there we go again, the Earth's bottom, what is that? The bottom of the ocean floor began to howl. The fountains of the great deep exploded. Its winds, the wall of water, the wall of water, do you see that? We're driving. The tidal wave northward was spreading. Why northward? Because it came from the south, because they're in Sumer, they're in Iraq, modern times, and the rivers from Eden are on the bottom of the ocean floor in the Indian Ocean, in that area, that's where their tsunamis would have come from. Very consistent. However, Noah's, because Noah didn't live there, would not match that. Northward was the wall of waters on rushing. The Abzu lands it was reaching. Therefore, toward the settled lands it traveled, to Eden it overwhelmed. Notice Eden, not the Garden of Eden. Got that. When the tidal wave, the wall of waters, Sherubak reached the boat of Zarasudra, the tidal wave from its moorings lifted. This is a massive catastrophe, folks. This was a worldwide flood, period. There's no other way to look at this. Tossed it about like a watery abyss, the boat it swallowed. Though completely submerged, the boat held firm, not a drop of water into it did enter. Now, again, Noah's account, probably very similar in that respect, no doubt, except for the fact that he built on the top of a mountain, knowing that the impact from the tsunamis was coming, more than likely. After the immense tidal wave that over the earth swept, so over the earth swept, got it, the 
sluices of heaven open, the windows of heaven, just as the Bible says, a downpour from the skies upon the earth was unleashed. For seven days the waters from above with the waters of the great below, see, there you go, windows of heaven, fountains of the great deep. This is actually affirming the Genesis account, but it is not the origin of it that is stupid. Then the wall of water, its limits reaching its onslaught, ceased. But the rains from the skies for 40 more days and nights continued. And what happened then? Noah's ark was lifted. Not the same in this story. This ark is already underwater. See that? Notice? So this is not Noah. From the perches, the Anunnaki, the gods, the fallen angels, the watchers, looked down where they there were dry lands. Now was a sea of water. Got that? The earth was covered with water. That means it was a worldwide flood. Hello? <laughs> That's what the accounts do say in that area, too. Even though some try to play word games with, oh, well, I don't know if that word har is actually mountain. Well, it is every other time it's used. Why isn't it now? Well, because it doesn't fit their paradigm. That's why. And where mountains once to the heavens their peaks raised, their tops, now like islands, were in the waters. Are you hearing that? The mountains were all covered with water. At this point, not completely. They still stuck out like islands. Eventually, of course, they go away completely. Look, and all that on the dry land was living in the avalanche of waters perished. So all dry land was gone. All of it was covered with water. All. Got it? Oh, there you go. Then, and by the way, if you just take the area of the Middle East where they are and cover the tops of those mountains, you have a worldwide flood. There is no other possible way. It's not a bowl. Hello. Then as in the beginning, what beginning? In Genesis, that's what it's talking about. The waters to their basins were gathered. What's that mean? Well, remember, Yahuwah said that the dry land was to appear and the waters were to gather in their places. See, there you go. Okay, then 40 days after the deluge over the earth swept, the rains also stopped. So you have even here a timeline of seven days, then 40 days, then another 40 days. All right, so you have 87 days. The Bible counts 150, but it's a lot longer than many people are trying to represent here. After the 40 days, Zerostrustra, Zerosudra, that's his name, the boat's hatch opened his whereabouts to survey. So he was looking around, all alone, with no other sign of life. The boat upon a vast sea was lolling. Mankind, all living things off the earth's face are wiped out. Again, consistent with the Bible, but not its origin. That's ridiculous. No one except us few survived. That's all they would see. Again, Noah wasn't with them, and Noah did survive with his family. But there is no dry land to set a foot upon. So if there's no dry land at the top of the very mountains, it's a worldwide flood. Hello. At that time, Ninagal, by Inky appointed, the boat toward the twin peaks of Arata. Oh, wait, that's not Ararat. Arata is not Ararat. We're going to show you what Arata is 
and it is in Turkey. Ararat is not. Now, check this out. A sail for her he shaped toward the Mount of Salvation. Key, key title there. Key name. Because we know where that mountain is to this day. We'll show you. He, the boat, guided. Impatient Zirasudra was birds that were on board he released to check for dry land. For surviving vegetation to verify, he sent them. Now, that's just sensible, but again, it matches the Bible in essence. He did the same thing that Noah did. Did they borrow it? Yeah, they probably borrowed it, and not the other way around, because again, the heavenly account was recorded on the heavenly tablets at the time of the flood. So you you can't say that this is before that. It's not. So he sent forth a swallow. He sent forth a raven, both to the boat return. He sent forth a dove with a twig from a tree to the boat it returned. Okay, again, same as the Bible account from that standpoint. But again, it doesn't mean the Bible got its story from these Nephilim. Now, Zerasudra knew that the dry land from under the waters had emerged. Again, how much time took place between basically the 87 days at this point? You're really approaching the same 150 days and then, you know, beyond just as Noah's account does. So it's not necessarily, I mean, it, it just doesn't give the detail. The deluge is over at the Mount of Salvation we are. So they're there at the Mount of Salvation, which is what we're going to show you. Okay, later it talks about the peak of Errata. Again, Errata, not Ararat. That is a different word. I know it looks similar. And it looks similar even in the Hebrew, but it is not the same word. And then later they talk about the peak of Ararat, or Errata, not Ararat. Arata again. Now again, let's be clear. Inky is a fallen angel, a watcher from before the flood. Again, they mated with human women and they had an offspring who were the Nephilim, who were the origin of demons, who are evil. Every imagination of their heart is evil continually. Now, who is this Zerasudra or Zisudra, however you want to pronounce it? Let's see. He is no mere mortal. Oh, no, he's no mere man because he's not a man. My son, he is. This is Inky talking. Inky to Zarasudra pointing cried out. So he's pointing to Zarasudra saying, that's my son. He's a Nephilim. He's not Noah. He can't possibly be Noah. Noah was pure in his generations. So you have to completely ignore the Bible to say that this guy is Noah. This is the Nephilim account. This is not Noah's. It's the opposite. Now, this account also admits earthlings beyond the oceans were found. So they had heard somehow that Noah survived the flood as well, and that's what they're recording. It was after the encounter at Arata, again, not Ararat, different word, that the waters of the deluge to recede continued. Okay, the mountain lands were mostly unscathed, but the valleys under mud and silt were 
buried, which is why that is where their civilizations are, such as Atlantis. Atlantis didn't just you know, sink into the ocean. The ocean overwhelmed it, and it's at the bottom of the ocean floor to this day, but underneath a lot of flood sediment. Now, we've said that. We get ridiculed for it. Here you go. There it is again in history. All that in the olden times in the Eden and the Abzu had existed under the mud was buried. Got that? All. Every civilization from the olden times was buried under flood sediment. Got it? There it is. But in the Cedar Mountains, the great stone platform in the sunlight glistened. The Cedar Mountains, where are they? They're in Turkey, the Taurus Mountains, or uh, the like, similar, you know, the, the different mountain ranges. But when it comes down to it, that's what he is indicating. The landing place in the olden times established, was still standing. Okay, now, where is this mountain? Where is it? This doesn't say that it's in Turkey. It doesn't specify. But guess what? Do you know what? That is specified. It's right there in history, in the epic of Gilgamesh. We're going to find this Mount of Salvation, and, oh, Gilgamesh calls it the same. Let's go even deeper into archaeology and the occult, the Epic of Gilgamesh, found in archaeology. In his account as well, the flood has him landing on a mountain. So the idiots who claim his account is not a worldwide flood are challenged to measure the volume of water or even read, because what would be required to fill that to the top of the mountain would require a worldwide flood. They aren't even trying to think. Let's read. The boat grounded. That's the Nephilim Ark in Gilgamesh. The Nephilim's history, that's what this is. Gilgamesh is a Nephilim, indisputably. He is not talking about Noah here. Unapishtim is the same Nephilim as the Book of Inki's character from the same area. And Noah's is not associated. It's a different story from a different source, and a different religion even. These guys, they're not talking about Noah. On the mountain of Nisir, wait till you see where that is, because it's identified. The boat held fast and did not budge. One day she held in a second day on the mountain of Nisir, and so on. What is Nisir? Where is this? Not where Noah landed. This is the Nephilim Ark carrying a half-man, half-angel hybrid, not a human. Right from the glossary, defining terms right there in the back of the book, Epic of Gilgamesh, it's right there. Nasir probably means Mountain of Salvation. Wait a minute, that's the exact term used by the Book of Inki for the Nephilim landing, and that's because this is the same mountain. The Nephilim landed on the Mountain of Salvation. Noah did not. Where is that? Sometimes identified with, and let's be clear, whether this specific mountain or near it, this is in Turkey, near or probably what they call Mount Ararat today. A new name for that mountain, by the way, not an historical one. Yes, there's history in recent centuries, but not ancient times. 
By the way, in the wrong name, as it is Mountains of Ararat, plural, not Mount Ararat. That's ridiculous. What a terrible error. And in fact, in Jubilees, Genesis Apocryphon, and among other places, uh, the actual name of the mountain is Mount Lubar, even in the mountains of Ararat. So they have it wrong. They're wrong. That's not even the right name. The Pir Omen Gud of the Lower Zab, or with the biblical Ararat north of Lake Van. Except that's not biblical, is it? Oh, we'll show you. It's not. It is forced in the wrong direction, and that mountain does not fit Scripture at all. But, oops, Ron Wyatt found the Nephilim Ark. Ouch. Genesis, which most are familiar, is the same as Jubilees in this story. Noah's Ark, not the Nephilim Ark, landed on the mountains of Ararat, not Mount Ararat. And Mount Lubar is the name of the specific mountain in Jubilees, etc. Notice when it landed on day 150 of the flood, and Genesis is clear, the flood stopped on that same day. The fountains of the great deep were closed, the windows of heaven stopped, uh, pouring as that was the very height or the peak of the flood at its highest point, which was 15 cubits above the tallest mountain. Noah planted a vineyard on the same mountain where he remained till his dying day. He stayed there. He didn't leave. Mount Lubar is in the mountains of Ararat, not Mount Ararat. It's wrong. Noah was buried on Mount Lubar in the mountains of Ararat, not Mount Ararat in Turkey. Notice Jubilees calls the Ark Landing in the mountains of Ararat, but it calls Armenia, Turkey, north of the mountains of Ashur, by similar name. It's similar. And you can see how this gets confused and how their false claim would eventually be forced into the narrative. They do this name game, word game all the time. And every time we rip through it, it is nonsense. Even changing the name to fit an occult lie that is inept and doesn't even understand that it's mountains of Ararat in order to do what? In order to make the Nephilim Ark landing as Noah's in fraud. Now, this is common, and we're seeing this in many things, such as the Queen of Sheba, who could not have come from Ethiopia, but the other Sheba, because there's two in Genesis 10. How on earth, scholars don't know this, escapes me. And the other one is the brother of Ophir, where her story is right in the middle of. It is so obvious. Now, it calls Armenia, Arara, not Ararat, which in Hebrew, by the way, to be even more distinct, is A-R-R. Versus Ararat is H-R-R-T. These are not the same words, and in the same text, in the same chapter, even, in use. So they're not the same. In fact, they're clearly making it, you know, making the point that these are not the same place. It is an erroneous assumption to associate these two words, but 
We can do far better than that, as this doesn't remotely match the Bible, which is far more specific, and one has to ignore much of the flood account in order to make such a claim, again, forcing the Nephilim into Noah's story. you got to be kidding me. We covered answers in Jubilees week two. Shem's division and Noah follows a west-to-east progression, recapping Shem's territory, which heads east from Israel to Iraq, and then east to Iran from Iraq, and then east to the mountains of Ararat from Iran. East of Iran is Mount Tens of Ararat. And then it goes to the far east beyond the sea. Now let's look at this on a map so it's clear. Again, watch the mapping for full clarity, but Noah began in Israel, essentially, then east to Iraq, east to Iran, further east to the mountains of Ararat, and then further east to the Far East. This is simple. Then he goes back and fills in the gap in the north in the mountains of Arara, Arara, however you want to say it, which is not Ararat. In Jubilees, and that is Armenia. Arara is Armenia, not Ararat. Genesis Apocryphon from the Dead Sea Scrolls does the same. Let's review it quickly. Sometimes this Genesis Apocryphon is actually really Jubilees Apocryphon. It's amazing that scholars wouldn't notice that with all of the markers that come right out of the book of Jubilees, but nevertheless, it specifies mountains, not mount. So mountains of Ararat, which in Hebrew is even spelled out there as H-W-R-R-T. And that's definitely not Armenia, Turkey, which is Arara. Genesis commentaries from the Dead Sea Scrolls uses Hurarat. Again, it's H-R-R-T, regardless of how it's translated. That's the original Hebrew, and it's actually pretty much in agreement across the board. It's not A-R-R, Arara, which is the ancient name of Armenia. That's not Ararat, even though it's close. I mean, these are not the same land, though similar in sound, certainly. No one can debate that. And easy to confuse if... Now, see, here's the problem, and they call it scholarship. It's not scholarship. It's shallow, and it is no way to stop there and draw conclusions. If you're only looking at the Word, and that's it, that's all scholars are looking at on that, and you stop there and then make your assumptions, and against what the Bible says, I mean, these aren't Bible scholars. They're not reading what the Bible says. Wyatt could have had several trips, could have saved several trips, prison time, and a lot of money. He was in the wrong place from the start looking for, and he didn't realize this. We're not saying that he was propagating the Nephilim mark. He doesn't know. He didn't know. It doesn't matter what he found, though. He found evidence of the Nephilim. That's it. That's what he found. It was not Noah's Ark. Again, Noah's Ark landed at Flood Peak on day 150. Genesis is very specific about that, and it's not something that's up for debate. On that day, the Ark rested, but all of the earth was still covered with water. So what mountain was it? 
it could only be the very tallest, which never in any history nor science has ever been that mountain or any mountain in Turkey. There's two mountain rangers taller in two directions, 1,500 feet taller, and they're 12,000 feet too short. That's not a little. The water was 15 cubits above the tallest mountain, period. Again, that's not negotiable nor debatable. It is exact, and it's affirmed in Jubilee, so we can really understand, yes, it means 15 cubits above the very tallest mountain, period. The arc would have been about 18 cubits below the surface of the water, Uh, and 12 cubits above, basically 30 total. Shipping science roughly leaves uh, basically 3 cubits an opportunity for the ark to rest on only the very tallest mountain on all of Earth, period. No other mountain can fit. The one in Turkey is 12,000 feet too short. Uh, That doesn't work. Even K2, the second tallest mountain on Earth, is over 200 meters too short. Only the very tallest would work. And we know where that is. It's in the Himalayas. It's called Mount Everest. Then they have a massive problem. And this is huge and something no one can overlook. The Bible says what it says. And if you don't believe the Bible, well, that's fine. Don't try to find the ark from the Bible because the Bible locates it. We don't need Ron Wyatt to do that. We don't need Josephus' theory to do that. They were both in the wrong direction. Here it is right here. Noah's sons and descendants came to Shinar, which is modern Iraq, from the east, east of Iraq. Turkey is northwest, not east. It's in the wrong direction. And Jubilees also affirms this multiple times in its directions and a very direct uh, passage, in fact, that is very similar to Genesis. Again, this is a recap on this portion, so go watch Where Did Noah's Ark Land? And we prove this out thoroughly and very, very well. There are many problems for Mount Ararat in Turkey. Not only is it the landing site of where the Nephilim landed, that's a pretty big one. That should be enough right there for everybody to say, "Uh uh-uh, doesn't work, but The reason it is the landing site for the Nephilim Ark, not Noah's Ark, and they are still trying to force it into the Bible. The Nephilim have done this, and they do it through seminaries because they have been able to penetrate, unfortunately. Problem number one, it's way in the wrong direction, northwest instead of east. That's not Bible. No, it's the Book of Inge. And the Epic of Gilgamesh. So if you want to follow those instead of the Bible, that's up to you. Problem number two, it's way too short, 12,000 feet too short, and even two taller mountain ranges in its area. Ridiculous. Problem number three, it's not the highest land. Ararat means highest land, not even in the top 100 tallest mountains on earth. So even if you want to do the whole scrambling and jumbling and oh, all the mountains came up out of the sea during the flood, no, they didn't, or you and I are dead. So let's just call it what it is. That's unscientific nonsense. It's garbage. There's no science behind that theory, and it requires the whole Pangea, Pan, the Seder God, Gaia, 
Mother Earth, yeah, even name for the Nephilim. So hello, you're going to use a Nephilim theory to try to justify the Nephilim arc. Give me a break. The notion that Mount Everest rose to over five miles with the Himalayas into the sky during the flood absolutely defies science, absolutely moronic to say such a thing. If it happened, again, you and I are dead, so we're not even having this conversation. Problem number four, there are taller mountains in two directions, and there are two mountain ranges that are 1,500 feet taller. That's not a little bit. And both within a dove's flight, meaning the dove would have found rest for the sole of her feet, in other words, calling the Bible a liar yet again. Which do we believe, Ron Wyatt or the Bible? Well, you know where we stand. Problem number five. It's a standalone volcano. That mountain in Turkey is a volcano standalone. It's not a mountain range. So no matter how you put it, that can't be mountains of Ararat. It's one standalone volcano. Now, here's what's even worse. Genesis says Noah saw the tops of the other mountains as the flood receded. It's a major problem because, again, it's calling the Bible a liar. Mount Ararat in Turkey is over 250 kilometers from the closest mountain. Thus, again, fiction because it doesn't match the Bible on so many levels. We're getting rather tired of such narratives in the church, to be quite frank, because we continue to prove things out and we continue to find stuff like this, which is junk, not Bible and not theology. Ridiculous. This is not Biblical scholarship. Also, Wyatt claims the ark there, which he never really proved, was a ship even. I know now there's more evidence, but we'll get him, give him the benefit of the doubt here. Let's say it's a ship. Well, it's not Noah's ship, and that matters. He claims the presence of metal, or claimed, he's of course not with us anymore, uh, in the construction of that ship. That's a major problem. Massive. Because there is no such in the flood narrative of the Bible. There's no metal being used. Now, to that, some will answer. But Tubal Cain knew the art of metal working. Yeah, you just proved our point. Thank you. That doesn't change the flood narrative, first of all. It does not mention metal in the extensive list of supplies to use. So that's a problem. Indeed, Tubal Cain did work with metal and who is he? Oh, wait, you forgot who he was, didn't you? Uh, he's not with Noah. No, he's not from Seth and Noah's lineage, is he? He didn't live near Noah, even. He is the progeny of Cain, who moved far away to the east, to the land of Nod, wherever that is, likely South America, in the land, actually the city named after his son Enoch, Tenoch Talan. Perhaps, maybe not, we don't know, that's speculation, but pretty good speculation. The fact that metal is used is an indicator that it is Cain's progeny, not that of Noah. Now, Cain's human lineage did not survive the flood by all accounts. However, his daughters are known as those who took fallen angels as husbands. And that is where the metal comes from, not Noah. Again, a Nephilim narrative being forced in as a response in debate, and they don't even realize they're actually still trying to prove 
the Nephilim Ark, not Noah's. Do we read the Bible or just pick out any fragment we want in order to say whatever we want it to? Because you can do that, and scholarship does too often. In this age, that is called scholarship, unfortunately. But the Bible calls it hypocrisy, and that still stands, because the Bible is still truth. It is still the ultimate truth, and we test all things with that as our measure. It is no way to read the Word. Then there is the cubit measure, which we cover in Where Did Noah's Ark Land? Wyatt fudges this using a later cubit measure from Egypt, just grabbing onto whatever fits whatever measurement he claims, which is just a mound that he doesn't actually know what is totally even inside. And he can't really give a true measure. But regardless, he's just using the Egyptian one because it fits, so he forces that. But see, here's the problem. That would also likely be the Nephilim measure, as Egypt is indisputably a cult in religion and using their measurements, which basically you see Nephilim drawings and stories all over the place in Egypt in ancient times. Yet the biblical cubit has such measure directly from an angel, which is different. Thus, Wyatt not only found the Nephilim Ark, it appears, well, but he proved it with the supplies with metal included, which would be Nephilim, and using the Nephilim measurement, even. Good job. Before hopping on a plane and risking one's life, maybe just read the story, perhaps. Wow, that's a lot. So, the Nephilim Ark landed on the Mountain of Salvation, known as a mountain in Turkey. And there are a few claims of different locations in that area. There's no doubting that. Mount Ararat, by a new name, is just one, and the wrong name for that matter. However, all have these same problems, and all fail miserably, especially since Noah's sons came from the east of Shinar, so there is just no way to force Turkey nor Armenia into this narrative, period. And certainly not because a word was similar in Hebrew, and not the same. So definitely not the same place. Well, Unless you wish to find the Nephilim Ark instead, because you ain't finding Noah's Ark there. These are following the occult book of Inki and the occult Nephilim epic of Gilgamesh we just showed you in their own words. These are Nephilim tales and claims of their Ark landing. Neither represent Noah, as the guy on that Ark was the son of a fallen angel, Inki, according to their own story, and no, Inki is not Yahuwah, that's stupid. A demigod, a Nephilim, no man. This is well recorded, and here we go again, catching most scholars buying into occult nonsense, because they're going to Josephus' historians. Oh, well, the scholar Josephus says, you mean the Pharisee who tells lies? Yeah, that's him. So let's just check. That's all. Check what he says. We love Josephus. We've learned a lot from him. His geography is pretty good, but still needs to be tested. All things. Prove all things. So here we go again, catching most scholars buying into occult nonsense instead of reading the Bible for themselves and using that as the foundation, which they are clearly not doing, as many do not even believe the Bible, and they make that clear in many of their writings. You cannot do that with this account and land in Turkey, period. 
Watch where did Noah's Ark land, and you will find it could only have landed on the very tallest of mountains on all of earth. And that's still Mount Everest to this day. And it was before the flood because mountains don't move. We deal with that as well. Nothing else could possibly fit. We hope this video has brought this topic to a point of resolution for many of you. We know it's not easy to overturn things. We have been taught by so many, so many times and over so many Years. We hear this story starting from the time we're children in children's church or Sunday school or whatever you call that in your denomination. We get that. And some are offended at the thought of this. We get that too. We got it. Okay? Be offended. That's a good thing. And you're welcome for that. See, the truth offends. Test this and test what you are taught, which fits the Bible. That's the real question here. That is the measure. What does the Bible say and put it first? Enough of the doctrines of men. Prove all things. Hold fast that which is good. You are certainly capable, and we believe that you will. Yah bless to everyone.